Amen. Maybe seated. Well, if you've got a Bible, if you'll grab it, please, and turn to the book of Colossians, chapter 2. We'll be there this week, and then we're going to look at chapter 3 next week, um, and then start a new series on the 15th. It's Happy New Year to you guys. Uh, I talked about that a while ago. I kind of felt um, to do, as I was praying through the holidays, of what I wanted to do was at this fresh start new year. Um, I'm not big on resolutions. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you are. And here's the thing is I don't keep them. I I have good intentions a a lot, but I know myself. And I don't know if it's like working out or all the eating better, all the typical things. I don't know myself. And so I decide I'm just not going to do those. And there's nothing wrong with those. But what I thought about this day on this first day of the year would be to remember who we are in Christ Jesus, that we have everything that we need. Like, we don't have to try to find other things to fix ourselves and do those kind of things, which there's nothing wrong in those things, whatever they are, Um, but to remember that we don't fix ourselves. We have everything we need in Jesus, and He is enough, and that is the catalyst that we have to do all things. Um, I thought about the opportunity we could have today, but what if today that we would take a few moments to evaluate ourselves here in small-town America, Olton, Texas, and evaluate our hearts, look at the scriptures, rest in Jesus about building our lives upon him, and that is what the Apostle Paul is wanting to do. And so I thought that's what we're going to do this week, and we're going to look a little bit more next week. But um, uh, I I want to cover verses 6 through uh, 15 in Colossians, but I'm going to read the whole thing. So if you'll stand and read with me chapter 2, starting at verse 1, we're going to read 1 through 15. I'm going to preach 6 through 15, but I just want to do through context the beginning of the letter. It's really, really cool. Listen to Paul's heart as he writes to this church. Paul says this, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and those at Laodicea. For all who have not met me personally, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For although I'm absent from you, he's not there, I am present with you in the Spirit, in delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Verse 6. So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. To it, that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human traditions and basic principles of the world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you, children's sermon, and you have been given all the fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and every authority. In him, you are also circumcised and putting off the old sinful nature. Not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, excuse me, and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that stood against us, And opposed to us, he took it all away, nailing it to the cross. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Let's pray together. 
you want to take a deep breath, relax for just a minute, in your own heart, in your own way, every head bow, every eye closed, I'm just going to give you a moment. Uh, I say it every week, no different. I want to give you an opportunity. If your heart's desire is to put yourself in a position to listen and to receive and to be changed by Him, I'm going to ask you to do that. I can't change you, and if your heart is not willing to be changed, you will listen and you will learn something, but you will go back to same old, same old when you leave this place. If your desire is to, 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 to be made new and to be strengthened and to be reminded of who we are in Christ, ask God to do that today, and He'll do it. God, you've heard your people and you know our hearts. Um, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can be grounded in truth today. Thank you that we have, we have everything we need in you. Help us to receive the words you have for us, that your spirit may move, and on the hearts that are receptive and willing that you would change us and shape us and mold us and see who we are in you, because that's what matters. We ask it in the great name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Colossians chapter 2, uh, as we we're looking at today, we're going to start in verse 6, uh, is important because one of the things I, I don't like is when people want to throw things out about, especially spiritual things, religious things, things like if you be a better you, read the Bible better, come to church. Well, all those are good stuff. But if it's just a pragmatic approach because you feel guilty about things you're not doing, none of that's going to last. That's like me trying to eat healthier. If I don't want to do it, it's not going to happen. If I don't want to work out, it's not going to happen. And I look at this, and I'm thinking about Paul's heart behind this. Um, he has a passion for this church. He wants them to understand who they are in Jesus. And I'm going to throw a statement at you, and I want you to, to, to let this kind of marinate because it's going to come back at the end of the sermon and see what you think. What you believe about Jesus will dictate or determine how you live your life. Let me say that again. What you truly believe about Jesus, that's going to determine and that's going to dictate how you live your life. Let me give you a couple of things. If Jesus for you is just a moral teacher, a religious guy that came along, said some good things, then what you're going to do is you're going you're gonna to accumulate some good old boy things, some, some religious things. Let's do better. Let's act better. Let's live life. Let's do, be religious. Let's do a little bit more good, a little bit less bad. And, and, but when it comes to truly giving yourself to Christ, you're not going to do that because you don't really believe that, that all that he says to you. You just believe he's a good teacher. But... If you think Jesus is kind of a heretic, kind of crazy, like he's not God, he's not any of that kind of stuff, then number one, you probably will be here, but maybe you are here and you believe that. Maybe you grew up in a religious home and your whole life you've done this, but in your heart of hearts, you're not really sure that you believe all that this is cracked up to be. It's going to determine how you live. The things that won't be of any value to you, because he's not. Or... If you believe that Jesus is God made flesh that we celebrated over the Advent and Christmas season, that he came to ransom and redeem sinners, he died my death, he conquered the grave, I am born again, filled with the Spirit of God, and as a follower of him, we celebrate on Christmas Eve service that I do not walk in the darkness anymore, I walk in the light because he is the light as I follow him. Jesus says, you follow me, you'll never be in darkness. Then yeah, it's going to make a difference in how you live, right? It's going to. You might recall the statement. It's an old statement by C.S. Lewis. He, he said this 
1942 in, in, in an address or message he was giving, and he wrote it down in 1952 in a book called Mere Christianity because he was, he was kind of frustrated. He had kind of had it with people that were saying that I think Jesus is kind of a good teacher. He was a moral guy, kind of good. He's like, no, listen to what he says. He says, you got to make a choice or you must make a choice. Either this man, Jesus, he was and is the son of God or else he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to do so. People have paraphrased this over the years and said, you've got to determine Jesus is, is one of three things. He's either a liar, he's a, a lunatic, or he is Lord. You've probably heard that. I've said that, I think, from up here before. But that's where that comes from because what C.S. Lewis, he's kind of in, in, a, in a little righteous frustration. He's kind of done with it. He said, don't, don't call Jesus a good teacher. He, he never called himself that. He never claimed to be that. And he didn't leave that up to us to determine. There lies the point today, how we view Jesus will evaluate, or will, sorry, will determine how we live. The Apostle Paul knew this full well. Now don't turn there, but before we get into our text, this is why I love the book of Colossians, because in chapter 1, arguably the most famous of all texts in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 15, it's on the screen, I want you to see this, he made sure he left no room for any kind of doubt about who Christ is. Let me read this to you, because it kind of sets the tone for our chapter. Jesus, he says this, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, you tell me if there's any wiggle room in here. For by him, I'm sorry, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. Him, Jesus, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead. So that in everything, he might have supremacy. For God was pleased. Here's the incarnation, Christmas, we celebrated for God was pleased to have all the fullness, all his fullness, God, all of that dwell in him. And through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things on heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, I, I wanted to read that lengthy text because in chapter 1, Paul leaves no wiggle, wiggle, wiggle room. That's kind of hard to say. Whew. It's the first, first Sunday of the year. No wiggle room. There's, no, there's nowhere to kind of think, well, I don't know where we're, where we're going to match up on this. He wants to make sure who Jesus is. In chapter 2, he's going to say, hey, he gives us everything we need. And next week in chapter 3, he kind of talks about, hey, this is what it looks like in your life to put on Jesus. There's going to be some stuff you've got to cut out. There's going to be some stuff you've got to do. But he doesn't do it backwards because, look at me, church, here's what I want you to understand. I grew up doing this. I grew up listening and learning from sermons saying, fix yourself. It's like taking chapter 3 and putting it over here saying, do this, stop doing this, do a little bit more of this, do this, and do this. Instead, and maybe it wasn't just what I heard, it's all I heard about legalism, do this, do this. Instead of saying, Colossians 1, who he is, Colossians chapter 2, we have everything we need in him. I'm complete and full in chapter 3. Next week, come back next week, this is what it's going to look like. Your life's going to look different when you put on Jesus and, and you take off the things of the world. It's got to change you. Again and again, I'm going to say it, what we believe about 
Jesus, what we truly, not what we pretend to believe, but what we truly believe about Jesus is going to dictate how we live our life. The context of this, as we get into verse 6, I'm, I'm, I'm going to set this up for you. Paul did, did not, you know, there's a lot going on. Paul had not been to this church. It was founded by Epaphras. He hadn't been there. There, there were converts of his missionary journey, but this, this church had been infiltrated with religious relativism. Different beliefs have kind of crept in, no different than any other church. They're trying to, to add to Christian doctrine. They're trying to add to what we believe as followers of Jesus. They tried to adopt some God and philosophy. It's like, Jesus is great. As long, if you want to keep doing this, you can. And not much is different in our world today. There's a lot of people that would love and they want to serve Jesus as long as they can keep doing and practicing and living the way they want to live. But Paul is going to address, he wants to do this. Look at verse 6 in your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Let's start with this one. He wants to remind them, make sure that they're not deceived by these false teachers. He's got a passion to be them. He's not with them. He longs to be with them. He's there with them in spirit, but he's wanting them to understand who they are and how to, how to do this. Look at verse 6. So then, in light of all these things, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, that's important, as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Paul urges these people. He says there is more, there is more to the Christian life than simple conversion. Do you agree with that? I know we've got a small group in here. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. But do you believe that there is more to the Christian life than praying a prayer, getting baptized, and then going back to life? Rhetorically speaking, I hope that you understand that there's more to that. There's more than this just easy believism of saying, yeah, sure, I grew up in a Christian home. I believe this and all these things. Paul is challenging these people, saying, hey, just as you've received him, you got to keep on. The journey, how many times have I said this? Many in this room, I've actually baptized, and I say, this is the beginning, right? This is not the end. This is the beginning of the journey. There are challenges to face. Life's going to happen. False teachers, false gospels. Satan himself is going to want to steal, kill, and destroy everything that God has done. So right off the bat, Paul unpacks this truth that our discipleship, the spiritual journey that we're on, it cannot, it is not about knowledge that we've just acquired. He talks about continue. Look at verse, verse 6. says, continue. Just as he uses your Lord, he says, continue to live your lives in him. Well, what does that even mean? Well, I don't have to, I can tell you. Paul answers it for us. He says, be rooted and built up, strengthened in the faith, and be grateful and thankful. So put yourself against the text as we look at this, and, and, and we think about, is my life continued? Is it rooted in him? Am I receiving him just as I received Christ? Am I, am I living my lives in Jesus Christ? Well, are, are we rooted and built up? Paul uses this imagery of a tree that is rooted or of a building that is built up on a foundation that, that they've learned. And, and it's not just information, but you're setting your hopes on this foundation there's no need to entertain any rival teaching. And here's the thing is that when it's not, let me put it this way. Sometimes we think this is just for teenagers and kids, but sometimes us, when you're rooted and you're built up on the foundation of Jesus, something else that comes along for that, you're going to, no, that's, 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 not, that's not truth. That's lies. When it is not, you may think, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's how we're supposed to talk. Maybe that's how we're supposed to be. Maybe that's how we're supposed to act. It's okay to do these things when your life's not truly built on him and rooted in him. He says to be strengthened in the faith, be becoming strong in your spiritual development. 
Now, that takes effort. That takes work. It doesn't just magically happen when you just think, well, I don't read my Bible. I don't go to church. I don't fellowship with believers. I don't sit around and, and consume and talk about Scripture and the Bible. I don't do any of those things, and I don't know why I'm not growing in my faith. You ever thought about that? I have people I deal with a lot that talk about these things. They're struggling, and, and, and it's not about checking off boxes, but when you do nothing, you're like me saying, I don't want to, I'd like to lose a little bit of weight. <laughs> Why y'all uh, know amens? Okay. I'd like to lose a little bit of weight, but I don't really want to eat better, and I don't want to work out. How's that going to work out? <laughs> it ain't. <laughs> I want to grow in my faith. I want to be, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be rooted in Him, but I, I don't really like the church I don't sound like some of the people there. Not too keen on the pastor. He's aight. I don't really like the music. I don't, I, I don't really, I'm not into the Bible reading. I'm not into that stuff. I don't want to go to Sunday school. I don't want to put my, I don't want to do any of that stuff. But I don't know why I'm not growing. I'm being facetious here. You see my point. To be strengthened in the faith means we put in our effort. We put the work in. But I love the third one he says this. Look at verse 7 at the end of it. He says, rooted and built up, strengthening your faith as you were taught, as you grew up, as, you were, as you're overflowing with what? Thankfulness. Thankful for what? What is he talking about? Like, be grateful, be thankful. What are we talking about here? It's the gospel. Jesus, all that he's done. It's not rocket science. If I can get this, then we all can. Because I look at this, I'm thinking, thankful for what? Well, we go back to all that happened in verse 1 and chapter 1. The God of the universe chose to come to earth, and he chose to die my death, and he chose to make a way for me to be with him. If that's a fairy tale, then I just kind of, whatever, I kind of believe in it a little bit. But if I truly believe that my eternity is secure, that my, my, my eternal home is, is, is set with him, hell is no longer my destiny, I get to be with him forever, it's going to change the way I live. Paul paints a picture of saying, continue. Life's going to be hard. Stay rooted. Stay strengthened. Stay built up, and you need to overflow with gratefulness for who God is and what he has done. As if to say, if I could paraphrase, guys, remember when you first believed. Let me, let me try that this morning. Church, do you remember when you first believed, when God clicked something and all of a sudden it was like, whoa. Maybe you're young and you're still putting the pieces together, but do you remember a time in your life, maybe, maybe after, for me, I was in college when God really got a hold of me and I was like, man, this Jesus stuff's for real. Nobody had to drag me out to go to church. I got up and I wanted to go. I was like, man, I want to go. I want to I learn. I want to read. I, 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 even, I, I hate reading and I bought books. I was like, I'm going to read some of these devotionals. This is kind of cool. And these pieces started coming together and it became something that I was like, man, God loves me enough to do this for me and I, I, wanted, I wanted to worship him. Paul's saying, paraphrase, remember when you first believe and keep on believing. Lots of songs in that title, but continue to live your lives. Remember, remember lest we forget. Question, is it possible for us to kind of get, forget or kind of get a little comfortable with what God has done for us? Let me put it this way. Is it possible that when we come to the cross of Christ and Jesus and all that he's done for us to kind of go, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he did it. It's cool. We kind of yawn at it maybe, kind of the older we get. Let me give you this illustration. I, let's I, I've done this before, but let, let's pretend for a second that you or somebody in your family had a life-threatening illness. The only way you're going to make it or they're going to make it, you need a transplant. You need something that a, somebody has to sacrifice and it's going to cost them. 
If we went to the doctors, all of a sudden, we found out somehow, some way, that the only way that you or your loved one's going to make it is if my son, I already asked him if I could say this, agreed to say, I'll do it. And I, for some weird reason, loved you that much, which I don't. He gives his life. Your, yours or your loved one's is spared. What's going to happen when you see me at the post office? He's gone. You're probably going to grab me and probably sob it. I know I would. I'd be like, man, thank you so much. I can't believe you did that. You don't have your boy. He's gone. You don't have him. And I'm living. My family, they're living. Thank you. Wow. I can't believe you did that. I'm telling everybody, I've told everybody this story. Everybody in Ulta, Texas knows that. What about a year later? Do you, do you think it's possible after a year that the desperate pleas of gratitude might turn into, man, thanks, that was, that was good, I, I appreciate that. The next year, and the next year, and the next year, 10 years later, could it possibly turn into a story where we may pass from a distance and you wave, hey, and you tell somebody, yeah, it's kind of a crazy story, I, I wasn't going to make it, but this guy, David, his son, and it's, a, it's kind of a cool story. And it turns into this kind of generally speaking, kind of, Casual to year after year after year, it kind of becomes something we kind of we get comfortable with it. Now that's an illustration, but here's the thing: if we truly go back to the beginning of the sermon, if we truly believe that the God of the universe gave His one and only Son, do we ever stop being grateful? Do we ever stop pleading and and, and weeping in gratitude and saying, man, I, can't, I want to get to church. I want to read the Bible. I want to tell everybody, this, this God of the universe sacrificed for me. Or do we get a little bit comfortable with it? I think if we're honest, we all do. I, I do that as well. I'm the pastor of this church, and there's times when I read stories about Jesus died for our sins, and it's like, yeah, he, he sacrificed. He died. He rose from the dead. And it just kind of comes a part of a story. Do you believe that it's more than a story? Let me ask that again. Truly, do you truly believe that this Jesus story is real? And if so, I go back to my first question. Does it change the way you live? Paul, in verse 8, continues. His, that's the passion that he brings to this. In verse 8, in light of all of this stuff, he says, see to it, look at verse 8, see to it that nobody takes you captive through this hollow and deceptive philosophy, philosophy, excuse me, which depend on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than on Jesus. Now quickly, I don't have to go through a laundry list of things that are going to come in. Paul calls them human traditions, spiritual things of the world, things that aren't according to Jesus. He's talking about non-Christian, things that are going to, theories, philosophies, things like that. I'm a firm believer, but you don't have to study all the, the pagan things of the world and try to figure them out. You can if you want to, but if you know truth, if you know the Bible, if you know the gospel, and you think, I know what the truth, what the truth of the gospel is, anything that comes across that, that's a lot. No, oh, whoa, that ain't, no, it doesn't match up. That we, we stay rooted in those things. Pagan influence he's talking about, things that aren't according to Jesus, false teachers, false gospels, and Paul uses the language, he says, be sure that you're not taken captive. If you have your own Bibles, underline that, because that's a very important word. It's a military term that Paul uses here. It's, it's like basically being captive and taken, drug as a prisoner. That was my headlock. That was my thing. Being taken as a prisoner. 
He says, see to it. Make sure, do whatever you got to do. Don't be taken captive. Don't be lured away from the truth. Don't be bored. Don't yawn. This is by, mean, by no means a passive statement. Do you see what Paul's saying? Parents, think about the way you talk to your kids. Hey, see to it that you do it. That rhymed. You see what I'm saying? But hey, get after it. Make sure, make sure, make sure. Paul's not passively saying, he's like, guys, this is life or death. This, is, this matters. Don't be swayed. Don't be taken captive. Don't be taken prisoner to these lies that are out there. But it happens. If I took a straw poll in this room and we talked afterwards, everybody in this room could probably tell me a story of somebody in your family, of your friends, somebody you work with, somebody to school with, that grew up in belief and they, they thought they were they following Jesus, but somewhere along the line, it's just kind of like, I, I'm, something else, something else kind of came in. A new infatuation came in and, and lured them away. Some of you may be praying right now for, for a return to that. Keep praying. But this is what Paul's saying. Hey, don't, don't let things creep in. I love how Paul powerfully goes to look at verse 9. Let's go quickly through this. Paul says in verse 9, he says, he reminds them of the authority of Jesus, how we're made complete. Look, at this is the, the, the children's sermon, kiddos. You'll listen. Verse 9. For in Jesus, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. God fully in Christ. Jesus is God, is what that's saying. And in Christ, you have been what? Brought to fullness, made complete, whatever your translation says. He is the head over every power and every authority. We have come off Christmas. We have celebrated God becoming flesh. Jesus is fully God. Paul uses this comparison of fullness to explain who we are. In our lives, if you're a follower of Jesus, hear this. You are not left wanting. There is nothing that you've got to tack on and think, man, if I just had this, I'd be, I feel better. It's this illustration. This illustration right here, there's no room for anything else. Any, there's no, if, if Jesus is sufficient, then we don't have to have anything else in there to make us feel full. In Christ, we've been brought to fullness, filled, complete. There's no room for anything else. He is the head over every power and every authority. And church, I'm guilty of this, even, even kind of reading, reading through this. And, and we, we may kind of yawn at verse 9 that he, he, we've been brought to fullness. He's the head over power, every authority. And when we think about the authority of Jesus, sometimes we don't grasp it. I miss it. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said this about himself. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In John chapter 10, on the cusp of his execution, Jesus says, nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down in my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, but I also have the authority to, to take it up again. John 19, 11, he says this. To Pilate, you'd have no power over me if it weren't given to you from above. God's got a plan, and you're just a pawn in this plan. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of even a greater sin. Jesus is in complete authority. So let's not gloss past this. Do you believe? Do you know? Do you respond to the, to the Jesus of the Bible? Not the one that sometimes our culture reduces him to. What, what if on this first day of this year, and I'm not knocking resolutions. I think they're fantastic. They're, they're great. What if, but what if today, for us in this room, those who maybe listen online, for those of us here today, what if today we decided to maybe rest and reflect on who he is and who we are in him? We don't have to have other things to kind of make us feel like we're someone or something. Successes, relationships, finance, it does, none of those things are going to bring us to full because you know what? You're always going to want something better. You're always going to want more. 
In verse 11, he reminds us, and Paul uses circumcision to remind us that we've been changed. He says, in him you were also circumcised, but with a circumcision not performed by human hands, not a physical one, but your whole self was ruled by the flesh, was put off. He uses that fleshly circumcision, and he, he uses this as a, uh, that you are now circumcised with Christ. He, he uses this metaphorically to talk about, hey, you're spiritually changed. It's different. And when we give ourselves to Jesus, and, and for those of us who've done that, if, you're, if that's you, if you stood before a church and you said, I follow Jesus and I've been baptized, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're saying, he's brought me from death to life. I'm different. I'm changed. I'm not going back to life and going to speak the way I speak. I'm going to talk the way I talk. I'm going to do what I do. It's just, it's just you know, it's the 2.0 version of me. I'm just going to kind of try to change the little thing, but I'm going to do my life. I'm going to do me. That ain't gospel living. That's not Christian living. That's not being in Christ. That is you living and me living and saying, I just want the benefits of knowing Jesus, but I don't want to follow him. He says in verse 12, and we'll, we'll close this thing up. He says, we've been, those in Christ, those that are in him, those that are fully rested in him have been buried with him in baptism. Having that spiritual change, he says, which you were also raised with him in the faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you, David, when you put your name in there, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us some of our sins. Just kidding. See, he's paying attention. He forgave us how much of our sins? All of them. He forgave all of them. He forgave us all of our sins. And he, verse 14 says, he canceled the charge of legal indebtedness. He's canceled the code which stood against us and condemned us. He's taken all of that away. The law, what, 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 what we deserve for sin, he nailed it to the cross. 15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of all of them triumphing. There is kingly language, there is king language, triumphing over them by the cross. As a, as a follower of Jesus, if that's you, hear, hear me this morning. You're not just a better version of your old self. 2023, January 1st, you don't wake up this morning thinking, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm not as bad as I was last year. I'm going to cut a few things out, do a little better here. We were dead in sin. We were made alive in Christ. Paul said it in Ephesians chapter 2. What if we lived with such gratitude? As I gave the illustration of my son earlier, what if we couldn't go a day without thinking, Lord, I need you. Thank you so much. I'm not, I'm not going to get past this. I'm not going to be bored with this. I'm not going to... Do we truly believe that? We're talking about a complete change, transformation inside out, filled with the Spirit of God. As one of His people, we follow Him. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes, and those sins are forgiven as well. But we follow Jesus. He has canceled the punishment that was due us. To the non-believer, those who don't believe, who have not placed their faith in Jesus, and it shows that deadness, that past tense that he's talking about, those were, were dead, that is a very sad present and future tense of being dead. This is, this is a pretty bold statement to say this. If you don't know Christ or if you don't truly believe, this is not a you were dead and brought to life. This is a current state of deadness. You are dead and you will future die a second death and you will 
pay the full penalty for your sins because you have chosen to reject what God has done. That's the real. That's, that's keeping it real. <laughs> that's why Paul hammers it over and over and over. He's not getting comfortable. He's saying, Colossian church, he's saying, don't get acclimated. Don't yawn at the gospel. Be rooted. Be founded in him. When anything comes across, don't be taken captive. Don't buy the lies. Don't be taken uh, like a prisoner off to these things and then realizing later that it's empty and it's lost. He's saying, stay rooted. Stay grounded. Stay firm in the faith. And you remember when Paul said this earlier, he said, we're overflowing with gratitude, overflowing with thankfulness. From being dead in sin, being made alive in Christ. Sin's forgiven, the debt is canceled. He took them all, he nailed them to the cross. As he died, he dis disarmed all the powers and the authorities. Sin has been defeated. I don't know how your 2022 was, and I don't know if you were thinking, I'm just glad it's over, I'm looking for 2020. Some of you may have the best year ever. Some of you may have woke up this morning and thought, you know what, yesterday's problems are still here. <laughs> it's not magic. They just go away. All I want you to do is this. Is I, for those who are in Christ Jesus, I just want us to, re to rest. If you know Christ, hear this, and I'm almost done. We are satisfied. We should be complete people. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to step into that. If you don't know Christ, then I'm going to ask you this, that what are you banking your life on? Because if it's not on Jesus, it's on something else. You're hoping that something else is going to make you feel good or special or going to come through. We've not been brought to fullness. And maybe there's some, either listening online or maybe here today, that you know, you know, you know these stories. But you struggle to believe. Now hear my heart, please. You know these stories, but you struggle to believe it. And the behavior of your life might reflect that because you've not bought in. You've not truly believed. Maybe today could be that day. On January 1st, 2023, I just want you to hear this. Jesus is enough. He can be our joy. All we need is in Him. He is sufficient. I want you to be able to, to live these things. I want you to be able to say, I am complete. I am filled. I am fully satisfied. And the banner over our lives can be that as we step into this new year. And may we never lose the sense of gratitude for the sacrifice of the Son. May we be so moved, so overwhelmed, so grounded in His grace, His mercy, that we would never yawn or get acclimated to the gospel. And maybe, whether you're into resolutions or not, my prayer today echoes Paul's text in another book called, in Philippians chapter 4, when he says, I've learned the secret, I've learned it, of being content and fully satisfied in all things. He says, I can do all things through Christ. He strengthens me. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just a second. I, lo I love that verse, and I just wanted to reference that Philippians 4 at the end, 4.13. It's, it's not a, I can bench press this much weight, or I can overcome obstacles. We, we pull that out of so many different things. If you look at Paul's letters and Colossians and Philippians and Ephesians, all these letters, Paul's trying to remind these guys, Jesus is enough. Paul says in chapter 4, Philippians, he says, I've learned the secret of being content in all things, whether I'm, I'm starving to death or I've got a full stomach, I've had nothing, I've got little. He says, I, I can do all things through Christ. He's enough. And I guess that's maybe my question for you. Is he enough?
Are you satisfied? May that be our prayer. May that be our resolution to be so resolved that he's enough. He is sufficient. He is beyond measure. His love is beyond measure. I'm not going to be swayed. I'm not going to be pulled away. I'm going to hold fast to the fullness that I have in Jesus. You pray, and then we're going to stand and sing. If you would stand as I pray before we sing. Father, we thank you for the day. As we're about to sing in Christ alone, a song that we wanted to sing to end the service on this first Sunday of the new year, for those of us who are true followers of you, that we know you, we're, we're born again, we're saved, I pray that we would truly live in that manner. If there's somebody here today that does not know you, may today be the day of salvation. May they find me, find someone else. And maybe there's some that we've bought the lie. We've kind of got a little comfortable with this good news, this gospel. It's kind of got just kind of part of our story, part of our life. Would you awaken that within us? That not a day, not a moment that can't be so overflowing with gratitude, as Paul says, that we desire to consume the word, to gather with the church, to live life that reflect and tell the world our story. Because our story points to you and all that you've done for us, because it's yours. So as we sing this song, uh, church, I'll be here to pray. I'll be here uh, to, to sing with you. But God, thank you for all that you've done. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Let's sing this song together. I'll, I'll be here if I could pray with you.